careful that we understand the level of maturity of the person that we're, we're interacting with. Um, you can have a, a really healthy communication with someone who is uh, as mature, but you don't know sometimes. I mean, you've got to assume that everyone everywhere is going to read everything that you write. Yeah, I would just, I, I would agree with that. And I think, again, Mike gave some good counsel there. Um, I would land a little bit more on the side, though, that the world is shifting to. This is how a lot of communication happens. Um, and if we don't engage at all through that medium, then we are, we are missing certain opportunities. Um, so I think the emphasis here is with great care. And um, uh, you know, Mike said, I think he mentioned once not to push send when you're angry. Um, there's a don't push send when you're a lot of other things. And it's, I think it's just, just take great care in posting. Um, and I, I think I would just leave it at that. I think there is a place for it and we should. We need to engage through the mediums that are available in, in what how the culture communicates, but we need to be very careful. Just a second, I'm texting Matthew. I don't agree with what he was saying. <laughs> I, I, would, I would use Paul's example of using social media you know, what were the epistles, but first century social media. And virtually all of them, he starts with prayer. And his goal was to encourage and to build up and to instruct. I was trying to find an example um, with Jesus, but I, I, I'm not finding it right now. But um, uh, the, a good rule of thumb just in, in life and in, is that when we are offering correction or or admonition or anything like that, um, almost always a requirement of that is that you demonstrate that you care um, for the person before you do that. And the, the tendency with social media is that we bypass that establishment of I care about you as a person. I just want to tell you what I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I guess I would use that as a, as, a, as a guide rail on how we would engage in social media in that way is you have to establish that you care for the individual first, and if you can do that, then there's, then there's an opportunity to say something more. Mm -hmm. And I say be really careful when you are responding in a comment that's going to be seen by tons of people, when you're not just talking to that person. In fact, uh, there was one time that someone wrote something back to me uh, because I had put a comment, and uh, I immediately uh, went around, and basically we ended up talking on the phone because it, 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 was, it was weird, it was kind of an odd moment, and I thought, wow, there's no way I'm gonna answer that one. And uh, you have to be very careful, and I think if it's someone you don't know very well, you have to be, like Matthew said, just hyper careful regarding the kinds of words you use, and you have to use one, more words, if you're going to, to engage, use more words to explain what you're saying and what you're not saying. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go there, you can't just blast. I have to wonder if maybe a social media feed is going to be over the Jesus throne as he is judging each one of us for every idle word we have ever used. Hope not. There's a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of debate and confusion about um, some different gender identity issues. And uh, some of that got mentioned tonight. But the question is, how do you deal with answering people who are born with both sets of gender DNA. Um, and there's probably a lot of other um, 
maybe specific examples that might at least somewhat confuse the whole gender issue? How do you, uh, how do you deal with that? I wanna, I wanna start, I'm jumping in that pretty quickly. Uh, this kind of reminds me of starting the abortion question with the extreme example. You know, uh, what if uh, uh, the child uh, was conceived uh, from rape or something, and you start with extreme examples. I think there's a clear answer to that question, by the way, but um, let's be careful that the vast majority of gender discussion is not around a person who has genetic defect of any kind or variant, let's put it that way. Um, so let's be real clear, not allow the, the discussion to, to go out to the extreme and then use that for the basis of what is normal. Is that clear? Uh, as far as those that have real uh, gender issues, they're hermaphrodites, those that uh, have both sexes represented, genders represented in their bodies. Uh, that's a tragedy that uh, we need to deal with very tenderly and carefully and lovingly. And there's nothing short of that that should be required of a believer. Yeah, there's, um, uh, there's, there's uh, a non-Christian who's addressed this in, I think, a, a helpful way. Um, and uh, basically says, look, if you're willing, in, the, in a conversation on that, if you're willing to, to concede that there are no gender confusion issues with everybody else, and we're only going to focus on that issue, then... Um, then, then, then we'll have that discussion. But if you're not willing to concede that, then, then you're just trying, you are, you're trying to go to the extreme to make a point. So it is kind of a, it's a, it's a hammer that is used in that regard. Um, but it, to that, to the actual issue, it's something that the church should wrestle with. Um, uh, uh, I was, I was reading on this subject uh, this past week, and, and Mark Dever has had a lot of interesting experiences here, and he was talking about this, a situation in his church where, it's not exactly the same situation, but highlights, I think, a, a helpful point, um, about a 50-year-old person who had had um, gender reassignment surgery when they were 20, and had been living for 30 years um, as the opposite gender, and then comes to the Lord, genuinely, and has been living for 30 years in this way, and everybody that they know, their people they work with, their, the, their friends, all know them as this gender and have no idea about, the, about this past. And the person comes to the Lord and has been living 30 years that way and, and wants to know, what do I do now? And I would suggest that's a really, really hard, practical question. But if, if the church, as the years go on, and this becomes more and more prevalent, becomes bigger issues, and there are people coming to the Lord in these situations, if we're not engaged in wrestling with the difficulty and the messiness of those situations, then we're missing out on a whole, a whole mission field that where there's opportunity. And so I would just grant that those are hard, hard questions, hard things to deal with, should be addressed on a case-by-case, case, but um, we should be wrestling with them and, and seeking how the Lord would guide us on that. In what situations do I have God's approval to demand or request any rights, and when should I just bear with it, uh, bear it with patience and love? I didn't get to this. This kind of sets up the end of my my notes. But um, if you look at how Jesus lived, Jesus never demanded personal rights. And you say, wait, wait a minute. He went and cleared the temple, and he 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 cleared everybody out. He did that in the name of his Father. He did that for the glory of God. Um, 
but he certainly didn't demand his rights in his trials, in, in, his, in his scourging, in his crucifixion, in all kinds of things that were heaped upon him. Um, like a lamb led to the slaughter he was. Um, he was and, he, and he did not open his mouth. And, um, so I think as a, as a, as a general rule, and, and I think that there are exceptions and there's places and there's a time for, for certain, uh, uh, certain actions, but I think as a general rule, um, we need to be very, very cautious about demanding our rights. Um, and, and where we, where we um, are appropriately, sh we should be appropriately upset is when our God is offended, when somebody has, has, has taken, a, has offended um, God, um, but we need to be very, very careful about taking offense personally for our own personal rights. I'm not remembering the title correctly, but Tim Keller has a good book on self-forgetfulness. Anybody remember the title? Freedom of self-forgetfulness. Self okay. I, I would add to what Matthew and, and Mike just said too, is I would say it's when it's in the other person's best interest. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is sinning against me, I, I could get all taut and bothered and, and demand that they stop doing that because it's hurting my feelings or it's damaging me or I'm losing some property or, or whatever, you know, demand my rights. Or I want to admonish them as a brother or a sister in the Lord or a neighbor or whatever, helping them to grow because Abusing another person is not pleasing to God, and so they are not glorifying God by doing that. So I can actually act in their best interest uh, in, in the context of how they are hurting or, or abusing me. And when you're doing that, you're not insisting on your rights. You're basically, you're basically um, taking that for someone else, and you're basically looking to yourself, lest you be tempted to, and all that. Right. So. You're, you're being circumspect as you're doing it, so you're not saying, you're not, you're not demanding, you're basically appealing to them, admonishing. I think it's important also that we distinguish between demanding personal rights and, and, stand, and, and defending the rights we already have as a, in society that given granted to us by a constitution and our uh, government. We have freedom of religion. In fact, uh, there was an executive order from the president this last week, some of you may have heard, that uh, is an attempt to further secure the religious freedoms or clarify the religious freedoms that we enjoy in this country. And uh, there is a time to stand up for that and to defend that. Um, that's not personal, that is, that is kingdom opportunity that we have in this country that we want to protect. So I would distinguish between um, global or uh, governmental granted uh, rights that uh, would enable us to freely uh, proclaim the gospel of Christ versus our personal values. Can I maybe ask a clarifying question to that? Because there's, there's a personal sense of it and, and maybe a political sense of it. And, and um, sometimes people will do various things to stand up for the rights of um, minorities or women or religious rights or a, a variety of different things. Is that, generally speaking, something we shouldn't do because as Christians it's better to serve rather than be served perhaps or do you understand what I'm saying or is that something that as Christians it's totally appropriate to engage in or or what's the level of discernment there where, where you try and figure that out I was gonna say that's there's a key I think with discernment because God isn't calling every Christian to, to engage in in the exact same way and so some people have a gift to to address those things and others don't 
Um, some shouldn't be in that realm and they push themselves in. Uh, some, some need to be more bold to be in that realm. And some are just right there in the wheelhouse. I think it depends on how God's gifted a, a person. And this is where it, it does get a little dicey here. Um, the, this is where the hierarchy of values comes into play. Um, you know, the Bible doesn't spend a lot of time correcting the, the wrongs of the deprivation of rights of people in, in the society at, during the times of, of the Bible. And you can think of slavery and women's rights and just the overall um, experience under Roman rule at the time and so forth. And there wasn't anything that says, that, that where the Bible is not saying these things are okay, but there, there is a, there's an alignment to what is most important and your eternity is what's most important. Your soul is what's most important. And so pay attention to those. So I would say under the umbrella of that, let's keep, let's keep the values, the hierarchy of the values ranked correctly and that we are looking at those things. And so to the extent that we're not compromising those, then I think it's appropriate to engage in, in advocating for, for others, others' rights. Um, but, we, but we do that in, in its proper order and its proper time and with that consideration. Um, and, and we don't compromise the higher values. But it, 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 it absolutely. Um, and, um, but it gets complicated or complicated at times. Um, the, um, let's take uh, the look at the newspaper and the baker in where, whatever state that was that decided that she could not bake a cake for a gay wedding or to provide flowers. And the government said, yes, you will. And uh, so do you fight that? Is that there's a matter, so we're looking at matters of conscience and uh, conviction. And when we're convinced and con uh, con con convinced that the word of God says something, then we, and we wanna fight for that uh, as it applies to us because it's a matter of conviction, then we need to understand that there are sometimes serious consequences that result. And um, those are difficult issues to deal with and that you should seek godly counsel and, and there's a lot of agony that goes behind that. Do I, do I buckle down and, and uh, provide flowers for a, a gay wedding that I'm totally against uh, uh, and put my business at risk? Or maybe I do that and I believe that I'll be able to have a witness during in that process. Um, Let's be careful not to judge one another in those circumstances, and let's evaluate carefully and prayerfully uh, where, not only where we stand, but what action we take on that subject. Uh, that actually segues pretty well to the next question. Just should a Christian attend a non-Christian homosexual wedding? Should it be the happy happy yeah, It is. <laughs> should. I've dealt with that question a lot with people, and they've come and said, so I got to niece or a nephew or this or that and what do I do and you know the Bible doesn't say we got to first clarify that the Bible doesn't tell you what to do in that situation nor do I think every Christian needs to come up to come to the same conclusion uh, think about all the moving parts your relationship with the people if they know you're a believer or not you know do you have a good relationship with them or not um, are they a family member I mean it's like are you gonna go around and say, well, I can't be with any of my family because they do this or that? Uh, you'd be alone in your room. You know, you wouldn't go anywhere. If you're gonna go with, hey, I can't go anywhere or do anything that, that might seem to be in some sense aiding and abetting someone's sin or whatever, right? Or even celebrating it. So 
because you've got to be wise and love God and, and, and do as he leads. I don't think there's a hard and fast answer. Yeah, I think that's really hard. Um, maybe I could leave it at that. Um, but uh, I guess just as a quick personal example, um, we have somebody in our extended family that is in a gay marriage. Um, and I would guess this is now, I don't know, 10, 15 years old. Um, and I, I, I didn't know how to handle this. And, I'll, and I would say, in retrospect, I handled it poorly at first um, and for a while. Um, in that um, I was afraid of approving of that. And this is somebody that should have known better. And it was, it was raised to know better in, in an environment where she was exposed to truth and, um, and didn't, and, and, and so it was willfully rebelled. And I was afraid of, of giving a stamp of approval on that in any way. And so my interactions were very guarded, very stilted. And I even went so far as to almost was not willing in personal interactions to acknowledge her wife. Um, because I didn't want to give any, any approval to that. And um, I, I think I, for this is just my own personal convictions on this where I've landed, but I've, I've come to the conclusion that I've, I've missed the opportunity there. Um, and, and a relationship has been distanced um, as a result and that there are ways for me to, to, um, to, to engage and say, look, I still, I, I care for you. I care for you as a person. I care for your soul. I care for for who you are as a human being without saying that I'm, I'm compromising the values that I hold, I hold dear um, and that I think are, are mo the most important in the universe. And so um, let's just say there's, there's been years of attempting to, uh, to, to correct that and I don't get the opportunity to have a lot of interaction there so it's, it's a slow process but my mindset has shifted considerably to where I want to engage. I want to look for opportunities and to demonstrate that I do care, and I can do that even while not affirming the, um, the choices that have been made. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you bring that up, Matthew, because that's exactly what was going through my mind. And we haven't spent a lot of time really discussing this particular issue, but we've gone down the same journey, very similar, and reached the point where when we have a family event, we will oftentimes welcome this person that we're referring to in the extended family. And, uh, but that family then arrives and basically flaunts that lifestyle and brings children that uh, are heartbreaking because you know they're being raised in an environment that is uh, exactly opposite of the, the, what the word of God tells us and how we want to live. And sorting that out is agonizing. What can I tell you? It's agonizing. And, uh, grievous, but at the end of the day, there's no doubt in that family's mind where we stand as in our family. There's no doubt. And there's no compromise about what we think. And we see an opportunity to sh shed light of the gospel of Christ and to demonstrate love without condoning the behavior. Uh, that's a fine line to walk, and there's, a, interestingly, a hierarchy of values here. Mm -hmm. See? And so we're choosing to, to, to love our neighbor, even an ungodly neighbor, because it's not qualified in God's word. Mm -hmm. In fact, neighbor really means somebody that's not you in every way. Uh, and, and so um, uh, we struggle with that. But there's the hierarchy, is to demonstrate that love and then, and then live in such a way that our values are not compromised. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, we're still struggling, I think, as a family. And I think one other consideration would be, and, and we're going to keep facing this question, 
is you know, not what's best for me, but what's best for, for God's kingdom. What would God want me to do? Pray for God's will. And we believe that God, this is what the word says, God manifests through us the, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere we go. And will there be a gospel witness at that wedding? Will, is that the place to have any kind of impact? Or, or maybe you go and you're quiet and you have another time to talk. But do you want to close the door to relationship? Or do you want to open the door to relationship? And there's just a lot of facets to this question. That's helpful. Thanks, guys. Um, a question maybe about hierarchy of, uh, of values here. How do we explain or rationalize going against the command to not lie? But, for instance, Rahab lied in regard to the spies and um, others um, lied uh, hiding Jews um, during, uh, uh, during the World, World War II. Um, how, do you, how do you work through that? Yeah, this sounds like a question that comes up in the high school group. When, or it sounds like somebody in the sound booth might have asked me that question before. Um, uh, <laughs> Don't look behind you, but it's Winston. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a, there's, there's a lot to go into on that. Um, my conclusion on that is that it was not right for Rahab to lie, um, just as it was um, not right uh, for um, Jacob to take multiple wives. Uh, not, not, it's not the same, the same question, but we're, we're, there are things that, seem, that God seems to use that were wrong, and so that brings to mind Genesis 50, um, where Joseph says to his brothers who had sold him into slavery, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And so there are things that are done that are sin, that are wrong, that I think God can intend and use for, use for his purposes and for his glory. And, there, and there's also, absolutely, and, and there's also situations where, let's say the Hebrew midwives, they were commanded to kill babies. And they're like, no, we we hold life sacred. So, you know, the book of Acts, we're gonna obey God rather than men. So there, there, you have that situation that sometimes becomes pretty clear cut. Clear I, wanna, yeah. I wanna, excuse me, I don't yeah. mean to turn to a guy that's in the room. I want a chance to say, um, this is a very complex question that we're not gonna fully answer. Let's keep in mind that Rahab made the hall of faith. Yeah. You know, uh, as did Abraham who had multiple wives. Uh, so, um, we, we want to be careful uh, to understand that there are times when uh, very clear commands of scripture are at odds. Um, there is the sanctity of life, including saving lives. So those who lied to protect Jews in Nazi Germany, um, uh, they had to choose between two uh, moral truths that are unchanging, but one had a higher value, the life of another person over a, a lie. Both were wrong, I mean, it was that, that they were to happen, but there was a choice that was made. It's not an easy choice. I'd also remind us that um, those are rare instances where you have to choose between lying and saving someone's life. Okay? So I, we'd love to go to the extreme, uh, but in, in, in the 99.9999 ivory soap, soap life, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about are too young. Uh, ivory is awesome. Yeah, it is. I love ivory soap. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. There's well, Ephesians 4.15 in our translation say, speak the truth in love. And the word speak really isn't in the, in the Greek. It's a verb to truth. 
And we would probably all be well served if English had a verb to troop. I, I don't have a Nazi sticking a gun in my face asking me if I've got Nazis hidden in the bathroom. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. What do you An important distinction. <laughs> Who is at your house right now? Anyway, uh, yeah, Jews hiding in the bathroom. I do have to fill out a 1040 form every year. I do have to talk to my you know, talk to a boss or or uh, you know confess something to my children or something like that. Uh, those are the you know like you were talking about, uh, you know, Mark. Th those are the everyday things mm -hmm. that I do have a moral obligation mm -hmm. to truth. All right, we have one more long question, and then we're going to get to the speed round. Um, so uh, can, can we, uh, this is pretty broad, but can we fellowship with believers who say they agree on core theological doctrines, biblical doctrines, but come to polar opposite conclusions on politics, social issues, et cetera, right? There's, there are people that come from the same theological background, but just think wildly different for some of these issues. Um, how, how do you get along with people like that? You must fellowship. Can I, can I see that question? Can we you fellowship? You must fellowship with only the, the, the fellowship would <laughs> be based on one Lord, one, one faith, faith, one baptism, one, baptism, yes. one God and Father of us all who is above all. Um, that is the basis for fellowship. It doesn't say we have one politic. Um, and uh, that, that's not in there. Um, and so upon what are we basing our fellowship? And the fellowship has to be based on Jesus, who, mm -hmm. who he is, what he's done, mm -hmm. uh, the, the triune God who uh, has perfect love amongst themselves and perfect love towards us mm -hmm. as their children, um, and recognizing the fact that for eternity, none of those issues are going to have any significance whatsoever, even though they may feel like they've got great significance for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Well said. And I would avoid, um, if, if, yeah. If, I generally stay away from polit politics uh, in the church. Um, there are times when um, someone may ask a question about a, a really troubling issue, a very subtle issue, like, did you vote for Trump? And, <laughs> and, and, um, did you, though? <laughs> it's usually in the negative. You didn't vote for Trump, did you? Yeah, yeah right. You were, you're not that stupid, are you? Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy to have a conversation where someone asks and sincerely seeking, seeking to understand and to apply biblical truth. I'm happy to have those conversations anytime. What I avoid doing is, is injecting my opinion into someone else's that they're not looking for it. Uh, and um, so use extreme caution in that regard. And um, if it's really a uh, volatile, uh, hot, hot issue, or hot person that you're dealing with a volatile issue, then I would exercise commensurately greater caution. Thanks, guys. All right, it's speed round time. So prepare yourselves to be comfortable not fully explaining yourself. Um, it's going to be great. Yes or no answers only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is consulting work for a casino in alignment with God? This is the easiest one. What state is it in? How much does it pay? Any difficult question, we can just blame on Winston. Okay, let's just uh, vote here, okay? Uh, no. Not on alignment? Are you consulting about their air conditioning? Yeah, what is this? I mean, more yeah, about their profitability, let's say. Uh -huh. I don't know. That's a given. Like a That's a given. <laughs> I told you to prepare yourselves. You know, 
It's going to get worse. You don't want the next ones. It's going to get way worse. Okay, first century, when actors became believers, an an actor was was known as an immoral profession, and they said, hey, we're not going to, you can't be an actor, and and they're like, you take care of them. They told the church, "Then then you pay their salary. If you can't let them have their job, you gotta. I think the know. issue here is one of conscience. Yeah. If you buy, if you believe it's wrong, and you've concluded that, and yeah. you do it anyway for money, you've sinned. There you go. Um, All right. <laughs> Next question. Can you vote for a pro-choice candidate and be in alignment with God? You mean an I, abortion advocate? So. Uh, this question was this is so, so this question's been asked before in this in this yeah. same setting and I'll just give the same answer um, that I gave before on this um, I think that is a unique question I mean a unique issue in that uh, and this is this does require a little bit of explanation I know but an abortion is is an assault on the image of God and on God's ultimate purposes in the universe and um, can I in any way align myself with somebody who is um, who is is setting themselves against God's ultimate purposes in the universe? And, and I think the answer is no. Agreed. All right. Is it ever okay to use marijuana? <laughs> oh, in California, in uh, Colorado, Colorado. I think the issue here. For the believers, first of all, is it for you ever okay or for someone else? I think we have to answer that for, for me, for you, each one of us individually. And the question is, is, where's the control of our lives? Do we yield our control of our minds um, to something else or someone else? Or do we seek the, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Be filled with the Spirit, not with wine. Uh, you know, we laugh, our minds transform. We just heard a whole sermon on that this morning. Uh, where you know if we if we allow another substance to uh, impair uh, our minds and control our minds, uh, then I think there's a very serious issue. All right, um, let's see if we can finish off some more of these. Uh, here's an easier one. Can you recommend any resources on immigration and how we should think about issues of caring for foreigners? Off the top of your head. Ask Alan Weisenberger. He's got a whole list. All right, Alan Weisenberger. Sounds good. Uh, maybe we'll put those. We'll ask Alan. We'll put those on the website with the additional resources. <laughs> Uh, what age would you recommend giving your children a cell phone? 21. 21? All right. Oh, by then, they're on their own. They can pay for uh-uh. it, yeah. I can just tell you what, what we've done in our family, and we're probably a little more strict on this, but uh, our, our rule is junior high, you get a cell phone, but you can only have uh, the phone numbers for your parents, your siblings, and the grandparents. And that remains the case until high school. Um, before you have full access. And, and don't forget you have and there's n- location service on it also. Yeah. yeah. In I our like family, like it started at age, it started at like what, ninth grade or 14? Or 14, which was ninth grade, but then we had a 14-year-old that was in eighth grade, so we kind of had to, you know. <laughs> they, were, they were claiming uh-huh. the age. I, I don't know where Dennis is like, grade. we didn't let our kids have cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Good dad. Zero. Do it, is there ever a time where you're missing out in a, on an opportunity to share the gospel by choosing not to post on social media? Do you worry about that at all? I don't worry about that at all. Okay. <laughs> Neither do I. Is it wise to reject alcohol to draw a distinction with the culture? Is it more helpful to put on display a wise use of alcohol? It's a weird question. 
Yeah, I understand that one, and yeah. I'll, um, I will um, say, say this for, from a personal standpoint. So my, and this is not a secret, I've been very open about this with the high schoolers and with the, the anchored group. Um, I've never had any taste at all of alcohol, and that is not necessarily a, a conviction or even something that I would expect or project on anybody else. But for that very reason, um, I've actually made that choice, and I can't tell you the number of conversations that have been opened by that um, for me to explain why I desire not to, and because it is a distinctive, and it, it's, it, it's, I would say the, in, in, so for me, the, it's, it's been the opposite. I've, I've had opportunities because of that. All right, last question. Real quick, I'm sorry I said it was a weird question. Uh, the, the weirdness about it was, why would you go make a point? I mean, don't go make points just to, yeah, oh, figure out what God wants you to do. Uh, last question, is it wrong to hire someone you know is an illegal alien? Is it against the law, or is it wrong? What are, you, what are we talking about here? Is it wrong? I would say yes, because it's against the law. Excellent. Guys, thanks for uh, everything you did tonight and for answering all the questions. Um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure they'll be around for a few minutes if you want any points of clarification or want to ask uh, anything afterwards. I'm going to pray, and then we'll close our time. Uh, Father, thank you so much for um, all of the truth that is revealed in your word and um, the certainty that we can have on so many different issues. And um, even though it's difficult sometimes, we also thank you that you give us um, the freedom and the responsibility to wrestle with uh, some of these difficult questions for how we can live our lives in a way that honors Christ and brings glory to you. And uh, we pray that you would make us wise, um, that you would empower us by your spirit to, to, to make um, good decisions, to wrestle through this, to think, Father, and that um, we would uh, be encouraging to each other as, as, as we all work through these issues. Uh, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.